heller. Her vi han von Braun. <laughs> we can't do that, can we? Uh, we can't do that. No, it's yeah, it's a little bit naughty. Don't know. We should just do it because we're like we're the punk rock podcast. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. So, uh, you know whose birthday it is today? Uh, no. It's George Russell's. Oh, yes. It's only the vo- it's only the voice of the podcast. It's only the voice of the Interstellar podcast, his rivaled podcast that's going head to head with us, Jamie. I'm not happy about this. I, I, you sh- I think you should have a word. It's a bit too good. So it's George Russell's birthday, but it's also Werner von Braun's. I like the way you said that. Well, happy birthday to both of you, but especially G-Shock. It's the Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, Putting the, the ace, ace back, back into, into space. space. Woo! Woo. <laughs> so, two birthdays. Yeah. But the latter, quite an interesting forward slash controversial chat. Oh my gosh. So, Werner Magnus Maximilian Freiherr von Braun. It's quite the name. Yes. Born March 23rd, 1912. On this very day. Yeah, so he'd be 105 now, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would be. Ripe old age of 105. Born in uh, Versitz, which is now Virchi in Poland. There we go. Okay. Yeah. And and you might have noticed the Freiherr, which is equivalent I to did. Baron. So he was Baron von Braun. Werner Magnus Maximilian, Baron von Braun. So, yeah, I don't know if he flew any uh, fighter jets and was a red baron, but I don't think he did. I wouldn't put it past him. Oh, but but what a life. So I've been looking into Von Braun's life. Quite the life, Quite yes. the life, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. And, you know, we'll talk about the controversy, but whatever happened there, there was actually quite a lot to counter... Yeah, he's... Uh, I mean, you can counter it to a certain extent, <laughs> and I don't think anyone knew the full extent. No, but... But there was a lot to say that he wasn't the... Biggest Nazi in the world. No, but there's also a lot to say that he may have could have done a little bit more for his fellow oh, humans. That is that is standard. That is that is a given with this guy for sure. So where do we start? Well, I guess is where where did he get his passion for space? Well, it all started when his mother gave him a telescope. Uh, right. Yeah, when he was when he was a little boy, he got oh. he got a, got a telescope, and then as a twelve year old. He got really in, um, inspired by Fritz von Opel of Opel Aha. cars fame. So this that, this will be the speed record. Yeah. So that, and they had rocket propelled cars. And so uh, when he was when he was a boy, he actually got arrested by the local police for uh, trying to do the same thing with fireworks all over his toy wagon, <laughs> which is <laughs> wow. quite cool. Yeah. Uh, and I guess like a lot of sort of um, uh, landed gentry, he was a very keen amateur pianist who loved a bit of Beethoven and Bach. Oh, yeah. And he played cello as well, so he was quite a com- an accomplished uh, musician and even uh, wanted to be a composer at one point. Wow, if you can do that for doing all right. Von Braun then attended school and, and he was pretty rubbish at physics and maths. But then someone gave him a book called By Rocket Into Planetary Space, or Die Rockets zu den Planetarium, 1923. <laughs> Do you like how good my uh, Russian accent... I mean, my German accent was then. Well, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It was very... It is pretty good. 
Is it as good as my American last week? But... Definitely better. <laughs> I thought it was good in parts, my mm. American. It just it was just drifting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you could change that to just say it was in parts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Herman Oberth was, um, to many, considered the founding father of rocketry and astronautics. I'd agree so, with that. So uh, he was a massive influence on von Braun. And so von Braun took it upon himself to become much, much better at science and much, much better at physics and maths because he he thought, well, I really, I, I just want to become... He's like, oh, I need to do I this. I need to do it. I need to, I need to become a spaceflight guy. He joined the Spaceflight Society or the VFR, the Ramschifat, <laughs> uh, which was the inspiration of the BIS, if you remember our episode a few uh, I do months remember. back. Yeah, so that was one of the big inspirations and uh, founder of the... Uh, BIS went over and, and visited the VFR. He met his friend there, Willie Lay. Willie Lay is possibly the best name we've ever read out on this podcast. Oh, no, absolutely. Willie Lay. And uh, and they started building liquid fueled motor rockets. As you do. Inspired, obviously, by Godhard, Goddard himself. Hmm. This is what Vaughan Braun had to say about Herman Oberth. He goes, Herman Oberth was the first who, when thinking about the possibility of spaceships, grabbed a slide rule and presented mathematically and analysed concepts and designs. I myself owe to him not only the guiding star of my life, but also my first contact with the theoretical and practical aspects of rocketry and space travel. A place of honour should be reserved in the history of science and technology for his groundbreaking contributions in the field of astronautics. I might have to go. Wow. I might have to try and find this by rocket interplanetary space book. It's got to be a classic, well, hasn't it? It's, it sounds like we should be talking about Herman as well. Yeah, absolutely. We should be doing a podcast on him. Well, well, let's find out when his birthday is. I, I've got a feeling it's in June. I think I actually looked this up last night while doing a bit of research. Well, I, is, I hope it's on the same day as. As, uh, or in the same week, at least, and then we could have a double one, but it, it wasn't. That would be nice. That's quite the plaudit. Wow. It's the guiding star of my life. Oh, yeah, so after becoming... Is that what I am to you, Matt? Yes, absolutely. It was your... I don't want to put words in your mouth, it was but your... that's definitely what you think, No, right? it was your book on how to be a great podcaster that really got me into <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> By J.R. Franklin. <laughs> yes. And of course, I presume I was a, a massive influence on you with my How to Play Air Guitar book. You were, actually. And um, I don't think that there's a minute that goes past when I don't regret buying that book. <laughs> Only kidding, Matt. I love that book. You're a superstar. So uh, here's the dodgy bit. Uh uh, un- mm. Unfortunately, Von Braun had a membership number of 5,738,692 of the Nazi party. Yeah, and it, and not the kind of membership that you want to shout about. No, really, and, and he, kind of was, he kind of got caught out lying about exactly when he joined the Nazi party and, and under what conditions. But to give the man a break, I think... It must be very difficult if you're if you're proud of your country and your country gets mm. swept up by this totalitarianism and and you kind of want to sort of go along with it and 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 you think well if I don't go along with it then my career's ruined and all that kind of stuff. Well, we'll never know the the, the true extent. Well, I mean, there's some interesting yeah, quotes here yeah. um, that I'll read out. We've got. Uh, I mean, the, the first one's not that great, yeah. in which he says that he fared relatively rather well under totalitarianism. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. yeah, 
that's not the best one. Moving swiftly on, it gets slightly better. Uh, yet he also wrote that to us, Hitler was still a pompous fool with a Charlie Chaplin moustache and that he perceived him as another Napoleon who was wholly without scruples, a godless man who thought himself the only god. Hmm. So I think there was definitely some contempt there. So, I mean, that that's good. Yeah, Absolutely. But it was at this point that von Braun and and his fellow German scientists had really got properly into following uh, Goddard. Mm. And they started building what was then called the Aggregate A series of rockets. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Goddard himself... Oh, well, von Braun actually sort of mentioned Goddard's work. He says his rockets may have been rather crude by present-day standards, but they blazed the trail and incorporated many features used in our most modern rockets and space vehicles. So Von Braun you know, was a massive fan of Goddard. So Goddard, there was a lot of information going from the States to Germany at the time. Uh, right. And, uh, and Goddard, after managing to sort of get a uh, V2, these are uh, aggregate A series rockets, by the time they built the A4, it was re- renamed the V2. Uh, uh, and we'll get onto that in a minute, obviously. So, the, mm. <laughs> so they managed. Uh, Goddard managed to get his hands on a on a V two via the British, and uh, he confirmed that a lot of his work had kind of found its way into these things. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm, what's what's incredible? I feel slightly connected to this is that my dad, when he was living in Kent, mm. uh, remembers V two rockets going over the top of Kent on their way to London, obviously. He actually, he actually, oh, God, he said, really? he actually heard them. He actually heard these things going over. And That's I think, crazy. So you know, it's not that. It's really not that long ago. These things. No, and it really isn't. It definitely isn't. So yeah. So he started firing V twos at England, and he says, "I have a very deep and sincere regret for the victims of the V two rockets." But there were victims on both sides. A war is a war, and when my country is at war, my duty is to help win that war. Yeah, mm. not not yeah. necessarily there. Von Again, Braun. not not sure about that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, Adolf Hitler was a massive fan of the A A four, and, and he renamed it the Vengeance Weapon. And the Vengeance mm. Weapon, obviously, the V two or the Wirkelsdunswaffe two. Nice. Yeah. So it is obviously quite a nasty thing. And of course, uh, the, the British really, really wanted to preempt these rockets because they knew they were big trouble. So they bombed the hell. Out of von von Braun von Warner von Braun's Braun. um, uh, facilities and uh, mm. in Operation Hydra, and uh, it, it, they did blow the place up, but they managed to resalvage the factory quite quickly, and only a couple of the uh, engineers were killed, including one of okay. the engine designers, Walter Thiel. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, this this leads on to one of my favorite, my two favorite quotes from the von Here Braun cannon. And that is uh, so they they launched the V two to uh, England. It may have been the one that my dad heard. Imagine that. And, Could have been. Uh, uh, and uh, von Braun said the rocket worked perfectly, except for landing on the wrong planet. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously right. von Braun was obsessed at this point by space flighting, wanting to go to other planets. So using V twos to hit other places on on the planet wasn't really his ideal but do you uh, reckon we'll ever hear elon say that quote no but uh, we'll get we, we will definitely <laughs> we will definitely get echoes of elon later on 
for sure. Mm. So the, the, uh, there was a film called I Aim at the Stars, which was a, uh, a biopic of Von Braun, and yeah. uh, they used the paraphrase, I aim at the stars, but sometimes I hit London. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Yeah, I don't like that <laughs> well, one. It's kind That's of, ridiculous. It's kind of funny, yet I suppose if... If you were Not that land- funny if for you the 3,000 that were killed. No, and, and I should imagine some of them landed near where you are standing right now, Jamie. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yes. Oh, my goodness. But what- Tell me things get better, no, Matthew. No, it really does get worse, because obviously the German, oh, the German Empire by this time had become absolutely hideous in its control of certain peoples and making them into slaves mm. and treating them in, in the most... Well, in the... In, 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 as history will say, one of the most inhumane regimes has ever been. So, uh, mm. unfortunately, these slaves and everything did work for von Braun. So he was, he was used to walking around, and and in his quote is this: "He says it is hellish. My spontaneous reaction was to talk to one of the SS guards, only to be told an unmistakable harshness that I should mind my own business or find myself in the same striped fatigues. I realised that any attempt of reasoning on humane grounds would be utterly futile." So he, right. he's kind of, but remember, a lot of this he's saying it retrospectively. So I'm going to give him the benefit of charity here and say that he probably was very, very scared. And one of his yes. colleagues did say, if he had done it, in my opinion, he would have been shot on the spot. And that's mm. if he'd, if uh, von Braun had complained. Oof. Yeah, you never know, and you wonder how many more people were like that that just had to say these things mm. because if they didn't there was going to be death waiting for them absolutely I, horrible i think the most interesting part of the story is this next section where um basically germany have started to uh, lose the war the kind of right. falling down period of uh, uh-huh. uh, of the war and uh, von braun decided that he wanted to go with the americans rather than the soviets because they were a god fearing nation so it was very right. much to do with the fact that he wanted to surrender to Christians. Uh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he'd been ordered to relocate to central Germany. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, he thought that would be the best bet to, to defect to the Americans. So he, uh, so von Braun himself fabricated documents and transported 500 of his affiliates to the central German area. Uh, but he was really, really fearful that the SS, if, if they even had a sniff that they were going to get captured would destroy all the documents and would would kill all all of von braun and all his all his people they 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 knew that that they would just be executed because the yeah. germans wouldn't want all this information falling into the wrong yeah. hands so uh so yeah he he hid a load of the blueprints in mine shafts in 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 the mountains which is quite wow. uh, yeah and then and then weirdly he was in some kind of weird car crash where he couldn't mm. be bothered to get his arm set properly and he was in such a rush to go somewhere else that he had to go back to hospital to have his arm rebroken and realigned. Oh god. Ow. <laughs> and Ouch. I think he was still in I still when he was he's still in a plaster cast when when he was actually eventually able to surrender to the Americans. But it was um it was his brother Magnus who was the first person to see an American uh private on a motorbike and ran out and said, my name is Magnus von Braun. My brother invented the V2. We want to surrender. And of course, oh. you know, uh, they were super prize assets. These are, these are, uh, 
you know, the ones that everyone want, wants to get. Absolutely, yeah. Here's a really genius bit of the story, is that he was held in a place called the Dustbin. Right. Uh, which was where they kept a lot of the kind of Third Reich... Um, all the kind of experts, all these fantastic minds from the Third Reich, uh, the, you know, from the economy, science, technology. And yeah. they, they were all being debriefed in the dustbin by the US and British intelligence officials. Right. Um, and the US had, had really got von Braun tightly on lockdown with their Operation Overcast and Operation Paperclip. Nice. Um, but there's some evidence that uh, British intelligence managed to get to him and interrogate him over a certain section of his work. Okay. And amongst the people interrogating him at the time was uh, L.S. Snell, who went on to design um, for Rolls-Royce and is the inventor of the Concorde's engines. Wow, yeah, that's not so rubbish, who is knows? it? No, so you, who knows how, how far-reaching von Braun's kind of work in, in, on, at Nazi Germany is, because, as we should see, when we go on, it's, it's unbelievable how much he achieves. I wonder what would have happened had they bombed his factory and, and he actually died in the attack. I wonder how, how far that would have gone, or, or rather how much it would have stopped the advancement of what we know. Well, it, I just don't know. But, I mean, a lot of these t- things, obviously, like like Charles Darwin, if Charles Darwin hadn't uh, come up with the theory of evolution, someone it wouldn't would have, have been long till someone else Absolutely. would have done it. Yeah, I just wonder how longer it would have been. Interesting. Well, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? But I think, obviously, von Braun was a very, very charismatic man who was pushing this whole thing forward. Mm. So, um, so the Americans... Uh, created loads of false employment histories uh, so that they could expunge his Nazi party uh, kind of connection, which was known as, a, which I think was known as bleaching. Right. Okay. So it was bleaching their Nazism, and uh, and so he was uh, cleared to work in the United States. Uh, very much once this was found out, to the chagrin of uh, Albert Einstein. Okay. Who was not a fan. No, so as in, so he wasn't a fan of the US taking him in. Yeah, I don't think right. he was a fan of von Braun either. No, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't you know, have thought quite, he would be. Yeah, as a Jewish German, don't that think do that it. he was. Yeah, that that's not it's not great, is it? No. Uh, so I think um, von Braun had a bit of a culture shock by the time he got to America because he sort of arrived there. No one liked him very much. Mm. They, everyone bossed him around. Uh, he had superiors who were nowhere near as clever as he was or mm. had had anywhere near the amount of power that he had so, who telling him what to do. Mm. And he was kind of sh- kind of shoved away and, and no one was really that interested in his work. Mm. Um, uh, but he got on with his work and he designed uh, the Redstone rockets, uh, which were the first to be used for ballistic missile, nuclear missile tests. So he actually witnessed those. So he's the first person ever to witness a nuclear uh, missile. <laughs> and then the Jupiter Sea. Yeah, and the Jupiter Sea that launched uh, America's first satellite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that's the start of the American space program. So There we go. Know, pretty, pretty big. Um, but it was, of course, his rival in Russia, Sergei Korolev, and his team of scientists and engineers that had ploughed ahead and beat him 
to the first satellite with Sputnik. Sputnik program. Obviously, that that was not good. That was not good for von Braun's ego, and he was having a bit of a tough time because the press were being a bit horrible to him and were really dwelling on his slave labour that mm. had been used to build his V two rockets. Yeah, not a popular geezer at the time. No, no, that's quite a reputation to shake off. But. You know, uh, eventually, when, when he, he was, he started talking about human spaceflight. So, nineteen uh, fifties, uh, uh, there was a newspaper article in the Huntsville Times saying Dr. von Braun says rocket flights possible to moon. So, and uh, this this came on the back of a massive wave of publicity, thanks to the films Destination Moon and Rocket Ship XM. See, it's exciting now when we hear these stories, but imagine then when it hadn't happened. Imagine oh, that. No. I know. It, it, well, it's a bit like, I suppose, the excitement we feel about um, Elon Musk's story drink going to uh, <laughs> going to Mars. Absolutely, you know, but even I, I more think... because they hadn't. This was the first time that they'd done anything like this. Yeah, no. I mean, no, they no, would absolutely. have thought they must have thought in 1950s America they must have thought that anything was possible. You know, post-war uh, people talking about us leaving the Earth to go to the Moon. I mean. Yeah, Can you imagine crazy, how exciting that would have been? So, so, so exciting. So exciting. And he then sort of really pushed this excitement home because there was a uh, a magazine called Collier's, um, which is a, a really, really famous magazine that was beautifully illustrated. And they they ran a series of called Man Will Conquer Space Soon. Right. And it was all basically detailing von Braun's plans for manned spaceflight. Uh, and then this was turned into the Disney series that that you can watch on YouTube. And mm. it, uh, George showed it me about six months ago, and I think I, I sent it over to you. And it's just absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. Great. It's so so good because von von Braun, you can see how charismatic he is. He's mm. kind of like a bit weird. Uh, and uh, but yeah, the the kind of space the space suit that like that looks like an ice cream cone. And the way that it all, you know, and all, but all the ideas are there, and you can mm. see it's so ahead of its time. And he's got the space station there that was obviously a massive influence on films like Two Thousand and One: A Space Odyssey. Mm. Absolutely, uh, you know, and had everything in there. You know, it had, you know, it spanned to provide artificial gravity, which uh, had come from an idea from Herman Puchunik's book, The Problems of Space Travel. Uh, so yes, so yes, so that's another book I really would like to have a. I'd like a to read that. Yeah. Mm. So, von Braun envisaged three exhibitions to very large-scale undertakings with a total of fifty astronauts traveling in three huge spacecraft driven by a rectangular array of thirty rocket engines. So, this really reminds me of Elon Musk's trip to Mars. I have mm. to say, it, it, it has that kind of feel of oh my god, this is such a an enormous undertaking. Yeah. But it's possible. But just at, you know. at possible and the confidence of them to say, this is what's going to happen and here's how it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and, not and, just and, some and, crazy loon who's like, yeah, we're going to go to the moon. Yeah, no, you know, this is all the details had been worked out. Yeah, he's and got the science not, to back it up. Science to back it up. And it was all about putting a base on the moon, which is what everyone is talking about right now. But he also had the massive Elon Musk moment where he... Um, and unveiled his The Mars Project in 1952. Mm. I mean, Musk, 
is what I mean. That's like seventy years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's it, and and yet, really, actually, von Braun could have done it had had Nixon instead of instead of going with the space shuttle had carried on with Saturn. Perhaps I just we just we'll don't never know. know. We'll never know. So von Braun did also write a little science fiction novel that uh, he kind of put out in little portions in magazines because no publisher wanted uh, no publisher wanted to publish the book. So I can't imagine it's yeah. very very good. Uh, but it was eventually printed in full in December two thousand and six. Okay. So that yeah, so that took about fifty years to get published. So I can't imagine it's that great. And it was titled and- Project Mars. Project Mars. A technical tale. <laughs> a technical tale. That's the sequel. Yeah, yeah that's like a robot dog as yeah. a technical tale. Oh, that's true. Good. Yeah, good. thanks. Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, so in, in his book as well, Von Braun anticipated the medical phenomena of being space sick. Ooh. Yeah, which we've had on the program before, and we kept. I, forget, I always forget to look up space sickness. Yeah, we have spoken about that, but we're yeah. not in too much detail. So, if anyone wants to uh, come on the show and talk about space sickness, please do. Yeah, please do. Yeah, oh makes me God. feel giddy just thinking about it. Actually, do you know we haven't even talked about NASA yet? What? So, what what day was NASA formed? Oh, I'm just going to pluck a date out of the air. July twenty ninth, fifty eight. Yep, that's about right. And uh, how many Redstone rockets do you think they'd fired at that point? Another guess, but is it 50? Yeah, it was 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, it was 49, because it was 50 the day day after it was established. You bet you knew that. Of course I did, you know. (laughs) Have you ever heard about the famous Von Braun four-inch flight? The infamous four-inch flight. The four-inch flight, yeah. It's yeah. quite good, this one. He built a redstone, Mercury redstone rocket, obviously Mercury being the rockets that took people like John Glenn up. Mm. <laughs> and Alan Shepard, of course. Yeah. Uh, 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 and it sort of launched and then went four inches up in the air and then cut out. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and it was because one of the workers had uh, got a power plug and it, 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 he thought, oh, it doesn't really fit properly, so they, he filed it down a little bit. Oh, my <laughs> So the lengths were slightly different. And uh, and the computer just thought, oh, it's a cut-off signal, and cut off the engine. Right, so yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Ooh. But And I think this kind of... This wasn't good news either, because it actually there was, there was a, there's a knock-on effect here, because then Von Braun really, really wanted to make sure that the Redstone rocket was man-rated. Mm. So he he absolutely insisted that they did a uh, another launch with a boilerplate capsule. And for those that don't know, a boilerplate capsule is a capsule exactly the same as a normal capsule that you'd carry humans in, except it's had all the sort of life, all the expensive life support stuff and all that removed. But right. for all intents and purposes, it's exactly the same. Okay. So they sent up this boilerplate capsule, and the flight was absolutely perfect, but. It meant that the Soviet Union uh, again beat von Braun and put Yuri Gagarin up into space. Ah, they did before Alan Shepard was able to go up on the Mercury Redstone. They ah. must have been gutted. They must have been gutted. <laughs> well, yeah, and it was all down to von Braun's stubbornness that he uh, that he wanted to man rate this uh, rocket. That's what happens, whereas, people. Yeah, whereas the Russians just went with dogs. <laughs> 
Good work, Russia. <laughs> yep, dog's all right. Let, like, like, in you go, Yuri. Yeah. Do, why are you looking so scared? Well, I can't work it out. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then, then of course, he, he uh, started on his Project Majeure, uh-huh. which, of course, was the Apollo Of project. course. And they started developing the Saturn rockets. Uh, and one of the things that he wanted to do was... Uh, uh, based on his concept from uh, which we talked about earlier from the Collier's collection, uh, was um, that that it would be an Earth orbit rendezvous that would take uh, the spacecraft off to the moon. Mm. But he converted to a lunar orbit rendezvous, uh, which uh, was a BIS idea, by the way. Um, uh-huh. Uh, and that was the one they eventually went with, and that was what they used to get to the moon. So was he the first person to um, think about having a three-stage rocket? Oh, no, no, not at all. Oh, OK. No, I, I think that actually may even be Goddard. Really? Yeah, actually, uh. Uh, we had this on, our, I think it may be our third episode, where we had Jerry Stone talking about uh, yeah, who came up with the idea of staging. Maybe I need to go back and listen to podcast three. Yeah, actually, actually, I don't, I don't know who did invent staging. Maybe in the in the course of this podcast, I can look it up. If anyone knows, then tweet tweet us in. We'll find out, but tweet us in. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so what happened on July 16, nineteen sixty nine? I can tell you what happened, Matt. It was one small step for a man. Yeah, one giant leap for mankind. Wow, it was only Neil Armstrong. Jumping on the moon. a legend. I hope his legs don't break. Well, Matt, I don't even think they went, you know, because... uh, Oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Jamie. I'm only kidding everyone, of course. Of course. He he really, really talked about how Saturn V was going to uh, take people to Mars in the 1980s. Yeah. But, of course, one of the horrible things is once man had been to the moon then public uh, public enthusiasm for the whole Apollo mission instantly waned. It's like, yep, yeah, been there, done it. Been there, done bit, that. It's kind of yeah. American tourist syndrome. Of, yeah. Uh, you, you go somewhere and you just capture it, and that's it, really. You've go there, it, take a photo, play a bit of golf. Actually, it's not <laughs> just Americans. It's, it's, it's most modern humans. Do, it is, isn't do it? The, uh, yeah. It's I'm gutting, gonna... because if they, if they just drove on in the same yeah. tenacity that they had to go to the moon, mm. we'd probably be on Mars. Yeah, oh, that's quite sad, isn't it? And then in 1973, the poor old boy was uh, diagnosed with kidney cancer. Yeah, he and was. Uh, even though he was awarded the National Medal of Science in 1975, yeah, uh, uh, he was unable to attend the White House ceremony in mm. 1977, and in uh, and then died in 1977 on June the 16th at the oh. age of 65. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not a great age. But no. still, what a life you fit into it. Oh, yeah, and if uh, we, we should have a quick delve into into uh, into how he led his personal life. His personal life is quite funny because he, he was very much known as a ladies' man oh. and would wander around Berlin with a, a girl, two girlfriends at once. And what a he player. was yeah, he was a proper player, and he and he and he, um, he was engaged to a couple of people and he had lots of affairs with all the women in the computer pool at the, at the research facilities and stuff. Right. But eventually he married his uh, first cousin, Maria Louise von Kiesdorp. 
Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah, and they had three children. Well, Darwin married his uh, first cousin as well. Yeah, it's but an he, interesting he, fact. Was, he was just trying to see if they actually had webbed feet for his books. Oh, no, no. See, did you know that if you, if you marry your cousin and have children with them, hmm. it's as risky as leaving having children in your 30s? So uh, the, the chances of any kind of genetic kind of failure is, is only the same as leaving having babies late in life. Oh, it's not yeah, that yeah. bad then. No, it, it it was only the Victorians that made uh, having children with your cousins a bit of a taboo. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not kind of strange. It no, it only feels strange to us, Jamie. It's purely a hang-up of Victorian England. Matt, are you married to your cousin? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not not dissing anyone who is. Um, I just find it a little odd. Sorry. So uh, that's some right. quick. Let's do some quick facts. Yeah. How many honorary doctorates has Von Braun got? Uh, 12, isn't it? 12. He's a doctor 12 times. Doctor, 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 doctor. doctor, doctor. doctor. Can you hear Can't me? Can't you see I'm Von Braun, Von oh, Braun. <laughs> doctor, doctor. Can't you see I'm Von Braun? But yeah, that's ace. <laughs> we should start the podcast with that. Okay, let's, let, we'll, we'll do that at the end. Right, nice. Uh, several German cities... And name have uh, small towns and streets and everything named after him, right? So yeah, uh, of course, one of my favourite ever film characters ever, Doctor Strange. Oh, so good! Such a good film. More than a reminiscence of Von Braun in it. Yes, absolutely. There's, von, there's a Von Braun crater on the moon. Whoa! And one of my favourite books. Ah, oh, have you ever read Gravity's Rainbow by Thomas Pynchon? I haven't, but I'd like oh. to. It's it's massive. It's a bit annoying because it's a huge book, but it is genius. Uh, and uh, it starts off with a von Braun quote, which is: "Nature does not know extinction. All it's all it knows is transformation. Everything science has taught me and continues to teach me strengthens my belief in the continuity of our spiritual existence after death." That's a good quote. It's a good quote. I, I, I definitely differ from von Braun on this particular. Uh, issue there, yes. but uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, and uh, one of my friends, Ian Farragher, who's uh, in a prog rock band called Quantum Pig. Quantum Pig. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's he's just he just started a, quad, uh, a prog rock band called Quantum Pig. I want to endorse and, that band. Yeah, one one of his favourite bands is a band called Husker Do. Oh, I know great that band. Yeah, uh, amazing band. Bob Mould. Bob Mould. Oh, yeah, exactly. Bob Mould, who I saw with uh, Ian in Camden. Mold. And Bob Mould. But- um, is uh, also went on after Husker Du to do one of my favourite bands called Sugar. Oh and yeah, one of my favourite albums, Copper oh, Blue. Yeah. Copper Blue, amazing. Oh, well, that, hooks for days. Yeah, but that that is Ian's favourite album. Oh wow, go on, Ian. Grant Hart of Husker Du went on to form a rock group called Nova Mob, and they did an, a, a rock opera that uh, had Von Braun featured throughout. Blimey. And there's even a song called Werner Von Braun in that. Well, I hope so, that's recorded somewhere on vinyl because I want it. Uh, I'm I'm totally seeking it out on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, Von Braun, born today, 105 years ago. There we go. Wow, what an incredible, incredible life, as you say. What an amazing life. Good and bad. So happy birth. But wow, happy, what a life. Happy birthday, Von Braun, and happy, happy birthday, birthday, Von Braun. The G Shock. Happy birthday, <laughs> the G Man. The G Man, G Dog, and I. Uh, you have to check out George's Interstellar podcast. I was actually amazed how I've a- seen all of the videos, and I, I urge 
people to go and check them out. Whilst yeah, we obviously is. don't want you to stray. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's not even a back. podcast. It's not even a podcast. It's a, it's a it's a it's a YouTube channel, it and is. he explains how rocket engines work. He explains how jet engines work. But his latest one about why the Earth isn't flat is actually brilliant. It's so I good. It. And uh, and and I like a couple of your friends um, learn yeah. learn stuff that we didn't know. Yeah. And how old is George? He's thirteen today. Thirteen today. I yeah. say lucky thirteen. Good work, George. So, Keep it up. Keep debunking, please. Oh, uh, yes. Debunk. Debunk away. Yeah. So, what's happened in the news this week, Jamie? Uh, well, the first headline that grabs us is the internationally backed military satellite successfully launched atop Delta Four. So, Delta Four went up with a wideband global satcom satellite, number nine. Number nine. Uh, do you know how much this thing cost? $424 million. Dollars. They're expensive, aren't they? Satellites? Really expensive, yeah. Yeah, but that's gone up, and that's uh, that was successful. So Delta Four. Matt, what's uh, happening in light sail world? Light sail world. So yes, Harriet's bunch, our old friend Harriet, ah, and yes. the Planetary Society. Uh, they they are quite. I think light sail now is kind of being built and it's finished, and so now all they're waiting for it is a shipping out date to be. Uh, to be put with its Prox One spacecraft that's going to go up on a Falcon Heavy. Well, look so they're just waiting to, that. to see. Yeah, so Falcon Heavy uh, by Elon Musk. Drink, drink. Hopefully, we'll see Falcon Heavy fly this year, and it's on the second flight of Falcon Heavy that we'll see light sail go up. So we have a quote here from Bruce Betts, the mm-hmm. mission program manager. We could mm-hmm. ship it now if we needed to and feel good about it, but because we have the time. There are some minor issues identified that we need to look into and additional tests that we want to run. So, fair play. So, they're just tinkering. They're just just tinkering with it. Yeah, nothing wrong with a tinker. No. So, uh, did you see the pictures that Curiosity took of its own wheels the other day? I did. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's got a couple of bits missing. (laughs) Yeah. So, these wheels are starting to to, uh, run out now. So uh, we think they need some new alloys. Can you believe it's been trundling around since 2012? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I know, it's almost five years ago since that hour of doom or whatever it was called. And not one MOT test, so I think it's done all right. When you buy a new car, when do you have to put it in for an MOT? It's not every year, is it? For the first year, I think you you get a waiver, don't you? And then every year after that. Oh, is it? So you only get two years? I say that, I don't know for sure, but I I think that's right. Yeah, we don't need we don't need callers to uh, no. come in with answers on that one because uh, it's not about space. Exactly, and and, you and, want- and you know if you if you prove if you don't prove me right, then I'll be upset. So yeah, I, I guess um, our friends over at We Martians podcast will be able to answer. Uh, the question about uh, curiosity better than anyone I else. I think they probably will. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, listen to that podcast if you get a chance. And, Absolutely, uh, and check it out. So how many miles has it gone? Uh, ten miles. That's it. Ten miles, ten. and it's completely knackered its wheels out. Oh well, you know. But uh, um, it's done all right, got isn't it? Project scientist Ashwin Vesavada uh-huh. did say this is an expected part of the life cycle of the wheels and at this point does not change our current science plans or diminish our chances of studying key transitions in mineralogy higher on Mount Sharp. Oh, Mount Sharp. That Mount is, Sharp. That is some mount. Oh, yeah. 
our friends over at the Rosetta mission ah, yes. have had a bit of a result. Go on. So a 100-metre cliff on uh, Comet 67P uh-huh. has been caught by Rosetta's camera collapsing. Oh, okay. Uh, expo- like, literally exposing the inner core of the... Uh, of the well, not the inner core, but uh, new fresh material on the comet. Fresh outer, nice. Yeah. Where can people see these pics? Uh, on the ESA website. Uh, so obviously, yeah, European Space Agency website. Anything about Rosetta? There's just hundreds and hundreds of pictures. And it, and again, this just goes to show that uh, that science is the Rosetta science will just carry on for years and years and probably another decade of important science will come out of the Rosetta mission. Talking of important science, Matt, tell me what President Trump is up to. There's quite a funny clip of Trump signing in the NASA funding bill. Yeah. They make a, they make they make a few jokes between them. Mm. But essentially it's uh it's carry on as you are kind of thing. Hasn't he given them an extra 19 billion in the budget? Yeah, but I, I think that's. Uh, I think even then, that is a slight decrease. Uh, but it, it's it's essentially where it always was. And Elon Musk went on to tweet pretty much straight away. This changes nothing. Oh really? You know? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was extra money that they had. Fair enough. Yeah, and uh, there was a there was a worrying bit where where Trump, someone said, "Oh, you can become the father of interplanetary highway system," uh, because of the large rocket that NASA's building. Uh, and the president sort of looked round and said, "Well, that sounds exciting." <laughs> that's the wow. worst impression I've ever done. I like it. Roll with it. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to roll okay. with it. Well, that sounds exciting. Trump countered, but first we want to fix our highways. We're going to fix our highways. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I, I can. I can just see the capital letters. Uh, anyone ready for a drink? I think we all are. So, uh, SpaceX. Yes. Might. In the next week, refly a flown booster. Say what? I mean, say what? I hope this is just before or just after the next podcast. So well, we can he's really saying about that it. it could come as soon as March 29th. Yeah, March 29th, which is, what's that, in six days' time? Six days. So, yeah, it's going to be round about the next podcast. So, Tuesday, next Tuesday, next Wednesday, Thursday. So, it, this is really exciting. The, and this kind of is almost... The, it could almost be seen as the start of something, the start of reusable rocketry. So how many have they done now? Is this the sixth one? Well, no, no, no. This, this will be the first time that a booster has gone up. That, that's right. been used I before. thought you were talking about as in rockets being landed. No, 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 no. Right. No, he's using one of the ones that has been landed. Right. So it, it's the one that landed back on the drone ship in last eight, last April. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. That really is. So, Good luck, SpaceX. Yeah, so, so that's six, they, they, have, they have landed six rockets on land and sea. Right. And so now they're going to, flop, they're going to try and fly one of, those, one of those six, one of the six that's crowding up the warehouse. Yeah, they need to get some of them out. Come on. So it, between now and the next podcast, we should have an Ariane 5 launch. Yeah. And an, and an Atlas 5 launch. Well, that's both good news. Not much else to report, uh, Jamie. So uh, I think I think we're done. I think we're I done think for the we're week. Done. Well, I think thank we're you done. guys once again for listening, and we are loving your emails and your support. Please um, check out our blog on Tumblr, and definitely check out the Planetary Society. And also the podcast Matt just mentioned. Matt, do you want to mention that podcast again? Uh, we Martians. We check it out. Martians. Check it out. And, so, uh, 
yeah, great podcast. Uh, some amazing bits of information on that. And, uh, of course, uh, obviously, uh, don't forget to look out for events that are happening at the British Interplanetary Society. There's actually one tonight that I've been unable to go to because it's George's birthday. Ah, oh, there we go. Well, you enjoy the cake and, uh, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks very much. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.